0: Now presenting John Gabriel, the undisputed king of stuff. Happy new year. Podcasts is your favorite podcast host, John Gabriel and your favorite podcast, the king of stuff. I hope you all enjoyed new year's Eve festivities as usual. I sat alone in a darkened room. That's uh, how I tend to celebrate brooding over the new year. And, uh, Going through New Year's resolutions in my head, which I have a very low probability of achieving, but hey, we're a few days into the new year, and I'm doing well on those so far. Um, Just wanted to say quickly to rest in peace, all of the um, listeners here who are Catholic, Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI passed away over the weekend, I believe it was. Um, also known as Pope Ratzinger, he uh, stepped down a few years back. He was 95, so he lived a very long life. But I know, especially more traditional Catholics, hold him in very high regard. So, all of our condolences there. In the latest news, um, everybody was who was on Twitter, including myself, or watching the football game, was a little stunned because halfway through the first quarter, there is a guy on the Bills who tried to tackle. Actually, he successfully tackled a guy on the Bengals is very important game. Uh, both have very good records. It ha- definitely has playoff implications. But very early in the game, Damar Hamlin, he kind of took a hit when he tried to make the tackle. And uh, then he got up and he staggered a couple times. Then he just collapsed just like a rag doll very scary moment um apparently at least at the time we're recording here he's in critical condition he's under sedation but he's okay uh, apparently they spent like 15 minutes on the field trying to get his heart in his heart beating and his breathing uh helping that to get back on its own uh they did both that rushed him to the hospital um it was pretty inspiring to see all the bills uh kneeling Um, next to the ambulance in prayer. I know a lot of people on the Bengals were praying. Trainers from both teams rushed over to him. And at that point, the NFL said, you know what? Um, Everybody go back to the locker room for a while. We've suspended the game for now. And uh, nobody knew if they were going to come back or not. Uh, Basically, everybody said, no, we're not going to come back. Because nobody knew if he was going to survive another five minutes or the night or anything and uh, it's pretty difficult to play a game when everybody's worried about their teammate he seems like a really good guy I had never heard of him before I've pretty much stopped watching the NFL as of a few years ago for a whole bunch of reasons um one very small side reason, I used to be all four. I just got very tired of the, oh, don't do this kind of hit or don't do that kind of hit. But man, you see stuff like this and you wonder how the NFL can survive. One thing I do, my father-in-law always reels me in to play fantasy football. So I'm always on two teams a year and mine stunk this year. I think we won it all last year, one of my teams, but a terrible year. But one of the things that I noticed, uh, just keeping notes on, The various players, just the injuries this year, all over the place. You know, from the first game, gosh, in preseason, people just like falling like leaves and fall. And uh, I haven't seen any like stats on how many injuries this year versus previous years. Man, it seems bad. And it's really concerned me for the past month. I know I've been complaining to my wife. She. Unfortunately, as a Vikings fan and I'm a Packers fan, but you know, she really follows the Vikings very closely and she's always up on up more on watching the games and things and telling me from the other room what's going on in this game or that game and telling me what's going on with the players. But man, the injuries have been horrible. And uh, I've complained to her. It's just like, man, NFL really has to do something about this. And this, uh, I don't know what they can do. Is it a problem with the trainers not training them up? It doesn't seem like the hit um, that Tamar Hamlin was involved with. It didn't seem bad at all. He didn't do anything wrong. The other player didn't do anything wrong. It was just kind of like a freak accident. um, It seems like. We do know that Hamlin suffered some kind of a cardiac arrest, and there's a guy on Twitter, I can't recall his handle, but he's a doctor for the NFL, and uh, he did a brief live video on there to kind of explain what he knew about it. He's like, look. Um, I'm an orthopedist. This isn't my area. But what I think it might be is commotio cordis, which is a kind of cardiac arrest that can happen with healthy people if they get a traumatic strike, strike to the chest. And this is usually seen in like car accidents and stuff. Um, it hits just, you know, the exact place um, they need to be struck at the exact moment in the cycle of a heart. Um, can cause like temporary cardiac arrest. People are still speculating. We don't know exactly. And uh, we'll have to see. Uh, The doctors haven't revealed that. And this guy, too, this expert was saying, I'm not saying this is what happened. I'm not even a cardiologist, but it could You know, this might be the case. And a lot of other doctors have kind of uh, jumped on the bandwagon and said, yeah, we don't know, but it could be the case. But, um, yeah, very scary to gosh, I can imagine the fans in the field. But uh, they ended up suspending the game and um, for good and then just canceled it or postponed it. I guess technically it was a postponement of the game. They don't know when they're going to play it. You know, if this is two teams who've only won three or four games during the season, it wouldn't have huge Playoff implications, but this really does. These are two teams headed to the playoffs. Very good teams. A lot of people were looking forward to this game, thought it'd be a great Monday night game. But yeah, I don't know how you tell players to get back on the field when they saw one of their uh, teammates. And even if you're in the opposing team, seeing a guy possibly... You know, at that point they're thinking, Is he dead? What what the heck happened? They're on a field this field, the doctors and stuff for a super long time, so just a very scary moment. Um another thing, the first thing I thought of was people like Pete Maravich, uh, great Celtics. I know it's supposed to be Celtics, but Celtics, a basketball player um, that I remember playing when I was super young. Um, this is after he retired, but he was shooting hoops with friends and uh, he made a great shot, smiled, made a remark to his buddies, turned around, just dropped dead because he had some kind of a heart anomaly that was never diagnosed. Len Bias, kind of a similar situation. You know, maybe it was a pre existing thing. We don't know. Um, One thing I did notice on Twitter about these things is how Twitter reacts to any kind of tragedy or shocking news. Okay, first, news or the video of the news of the event go viral. People start sharing, you know, asking for prayers, sharing their concern about it. Then you have experts theory like this NFL doctor. Then The non-experts weigh in. A lot of people last night are like, I wonder if he was vaxxed. It's like, dude, okay, even the doctors are saying they don't know what happened. Can you stop with this? You know, just random theories. You know, I don't know. There's probably stuff related to the Illuminati in there, too. I I don't know. And then people start politicizing it immediately, of course, as people did uh, with the COVID vax. But guys, just wait for the facts to come in. But nobody on Twitter does that. Um, Then after that, you have people doing a huge witch hunt, finding bad tweets and attacking and trying to cancel people they disagree with. Um, I think psychologically they're freaked out and angry and mad. So they have to punish someone who isn't even related to the situation to, I don't know, get their vengeance to help some dudes this is a health event we want the doctors to do well um yeah so uh twitter of course descended into this sometimes this entire cycle takes half an hour i think last night it took 14 seconds before all these stages of uh reacting to tragedy on twitter happened at once um so yeah twitter of course was pretty ugly um, the host didn't know what was going on. A lot of people attacking the NFL. How dare you cancel this game? Slash, how dare you consider canceling this game? Equal fervor. Most people wanted it canceled, but it's like, I have nothing to say here. I don't know. I don't know what their contingencies are for this crap. I'm not a fan of either team. I don't know what this does to the playoffs. So um, everybody calm down. Pray for Mr. Hamlin. Uh, one great thing that came of this, though, is he has this very small charity Affiliated with a local daycare center, where he's trying to raise money to give toys to underprivileged kids around Christmas time. Um, He set he had the set up before, and he had set the um, what he was aiming at set the goal at like twenty five hundred dollars. And as of last report, it's probably much higher now. um, People donated three million dollars. Um, So it's pretty awesome, pretty awesome for those kids. So a lot of love. uh, Keep your prayers up for this young man. I think he was 23. So hopefully he will come out of this better and stronger than ever. I'm glad very good care was there. And NFL dudes, I don't know what, I don't know how to fix this, but the injuries, they are just crazy. I I can understand much better now parents saying, no, my kid's going to play soccer. No, they're going to do cross country because whew. All it takes is one freak hit and uh, some very disastrous things can happen. So uh, we will see how the NFL responds to this. But this is something that's going to have serious repercussions in politics. We have the House Speaker vote. I'm recording this on Tuesday. And as of this recording, Kevin McCarthy, who everybody assumed would be the speaker a few months ago. Well, he has a lot of opposition, especially from like kind of the House Freedom Caucus. Um, More MAGA elements of the party are just like, ah, he's a wuss. He's part of the swamp. Let's get rid of him. Well, they have the first ballot, which usually in these cases, all the Republicans vote for the Republican. All the Democrats vote for the Democrat. And whoever has the majority wins. Um, This didn't happen. Um, I think he needed to have uh, 218 votes. And his first vote total, he got 203 votes. So they had a second vote. McCarthy didn't get 218 votes that time either. Um, there are some reports that Democrats are starting to head out because they're just like, oh, the drama here is ridiculous. If that happens, uh, McCarthy won't need as many votes, uh, frankly. But a lot of ill will and bitterness about it. Uh, Matt Gates, for instance, is against McCarthy. He said there's no difference between Kevin McCarthy and Nancy Pelosi which is silly. Um, He also said he might vote for Hakeem Jeffries, who's the new uh, boss in the uh, Democratic Party. Oh, the GOP, the GOP is incompetent. Dan Crenshaw, a supporter of McCarthy, said to all the Republicans not voting for McCarthy, they are enemies now. They have made it clear they prefer a Democrat agenda to a Republican one. Uh, A lot of ill will going into the GOP House. What I see, you know, I don't really have a take on it. They're all incompetent. You got to come in with a plan and execute said plan. You know, you got a tiny majority here. And I don't know, just all this infighting. It's just typical Republicans. They can't. It's a clown car. It's just a clown car. It's always been a clown car. And um, it's why so many people like yours truly look to developments in the state Rather than Washington, D.C., because nothing gets accomplished in Washington, D.C., because everybody's interested in these petty politics. I've seen so much breathless reporting about the speaker race over the weekend and, of course, today. Everybody who's reporting on it is in D.C. Uh, Around the country, people are just rolling their eyes and saying, the stupid party, once again. Can't get their uh, ducks in a row. So uh, we will see what happens with that vote. It might be decided by the time you hear this podcast. Once again, I'm recording it the afternoon of Tuesday. I have a suggestion for Speaker, if he has not been determined already, and that is George Santos. Um, Fantastic guy. This guy's resume is incredible. He's a Republican from New York, Long Island. I think a bit of Queens, too, is what he covers. He was elected. And uh, apparently none of his fellow Republicans, I don't know if he had primary challenges or not. And his Democratic opponent just never even looked into his background. Local press never looked into his background whatsoever. Um, He lied like a rug. Basically, he claimed to be every kind of victim group there is. He said he was gay, but he was previously married. He's Brazilian, so he's an immigrant. Um, he said that he got a degree from Brook College in New York. The university, after he won the race, was contacted. Now, he never attended there. He said he had worked for Citigroup and Goldman Sachs. Reporters, after the fact, contacted both those companies. Now, we have no record of this guy working. Um... Oh, he also um, claimed to be Jewish. Um, He's actually Catholic. Um, Not a very good Catholic, I don't think. Yeah, so, um, yeah, he said his grandparents were Holocaust survivors, fled persecution during World War II. He has a great excuse for all this, though. That's the good thing about this guy. He can think on his feet. He was interviewed by the New York Post Which, if anybody's going to be friendly to this goofball, um, they might be just because he's a Republican and they tend Republican. But here was his excuse for all of his many, many lies. My sins here are embellishing my resume. I'm sorry. Yes, you definitely did embellish a little bit there, sir. Um, When he was challenged on claiming to be Jewish, he said, No, 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 I'm Catholic. But I learned my maternal family has a Jewish background. So I said I was Jew hyphen ish. Oh, oh, by the way. Yeah, he's originally from Brazil. Brazil has opened proceedings against him because he had some kind of a check fraud scandal in Brazil 10, 12 years ago. So the case has been dormant since he fled the country. Yeah, they're they're trying to. They're planning to try him in absentia. Um, New York prosecutors are also investigating campaign finance issues for him. Republicans, man. Anyway, make Santos speaker. Let's just, you know, if we're going to have incompetence in charge, let's go all the way. At least this guy would be highly entertaining. So one vote for Santos from here in the peanut gallery. Other political news. Oh, by the way, I didn't do a podcast last week. I was planning on it, but there was just nothing going on. Between Christmas and New Year's, Nothing happens. And uh, yeah, most of my podcasts were like the podcasts I listened to were taking breaks and I was looking around. Okay, what can I talk about? And there was just nothing. It was like boring speculation about things that probably won't happen was most of the news. So just like "Eh, I think I'm going to take a a flyer this week and uh, return with a vengeance once the news machine starts up again. But Trump, uh caused a bit of a stir, if you can believe it, over the weekend, because he blamed the um, lame midterms that the Republicans had. Uh, a lot of people have been blaming him, especially because the highest profile candidates who are kind of more stop the steal types. Um, he endorsed a zillion candidates, but... He really was pushing and doing rallies for these people who were hardcore, stop the steal, very populist, uh, promoting their affiliation with Donald Trump. And almost all of them lost except uh, the dude in Ohio. But, uh, yeah, Blake Masters, Kerry Lake here in Arizona, Doc Oz, Don Bolduc, Adam Laxalt, Nevada, Herschel Walker. They all, of course, lost. Well, Trump is blaming this on pro-lifers. Here was his quote. He tweeted, well, tweeted, he truthed this out on Truth Social. And I quote, it wasn't my fault. I love when anything starts this way. It wasn't my fault that the Republicans didn't live up to expectations in the midterms. And there's a typo on midterms. I was 233 to 20. All those people he kind of sort of endorsed. Okay, he's counting all of them as a victory for him. Trump continues, it was the abortion issue, poorly handled by many Republicans, especially those that firmly insisted on no exceptions, even in the case of rape, incest, or life of the mother that lodge that lost large numbers of voters. Trump adds, also, the people that pushed so hard for decades against abortion got their wish from the U.S. Supreme Court and just plain disappeared, not to be seen again. Plus, Mitch, stupid dollar signs. Okay, Um, yeah, I think a lot of pro-lifers turned out to vote. I I don't think they uh, disappeared, but uh, it's kind of weird to be attacking pro-lifers. That's I would say the majority of pro-lifers tend to be more pro-Trump than uh, mainstream Republicans, rhinos as people call them. Um, I I would think uh, those people have a lot more allegiance to Trump than they would to anyone running against him, DeSantis or whomever. A weird group to lash out against, attacking the pro-life community. Other news that broke over the weekend, uh, there were these horrible murder of four college students in Idaho. Um, I didn't really follow the story. I'm not into the true crime Podcast world, so I don't know much about it, but um, they caught a guy they think is responsible, and it's a very strange story. His name is Brian Koberger, and he attended a school across the border in Washington. He was at Washington State Universities and um, university, excuse me, and was a PhD student in criminal justice. In criminology. Apparently, they have this guy dead to rights, so to speak, um, but he's still officially alleged. So we will see how this proceeds a bit. But it was something like seven weeks ago, this murder took place, first graduated from DeSales University with a bachelor's in psychology. Then he got his master's in criminal justice. Then he went to um, some private university, and now he is going for his PhD in criminology, And now they think he killed four people. It's really strange because his um, psychology professor is Catherine Ramsland, and she's an expert on serial killers. She's written a whole bunch of books about it. And she said what a brilliant, brilliant student he was. It's really weird. It reminds me a lot, if you've ever read Crime and Punishment, um, one of the first huge bestsellers of Dostoevsky. But that whole story is about a guy who decides to murder someone just to kind of psychologically process that. Uh, He considered himself, at the time, you kind of had this, um, the Nietzsche philosophy of the Ubermensch, I'm the great man and I am outside of traditional morality. Because some great individuals need to rise above the stultifying morality of our age and do great things. Napoleon was a good example of that. He wasn't a bad guy starting a bunch of wars, killing a bunch of people. No, he was a great man of history and he could not abide the petty dictates of a bourgeois society. So the main character in Crime and Punishment, he's this bitter kind of a college dropout. He ran out of money, so he couldn't continue his studies, but he has a lot of intellectual pride. I'm smarter than everyone. Nobody gets me. I've kind of transcended this mortal plane and to prove it, I'm going to murder a lady who everybody hates. So she isn't really worth anything anyway. um, He kind of messes it up and ends up killing her maid or servant also. So he murders two people. And over the course of the novel, there is a detector. Detective, excuse me, who um, is tracking him down ruthlessly. It's actually that detective um, is who they based the old private eye of 70s and 80s TV. Columbo was kind of based on this guy. But this guy's just kind of like asking questions and looking around and hanging out with a murderer. And the murderer is like, oh, I'm above it. I'm above guilt. I'm above remorse. The world is better without this horrible woman. But eventually his own psychology um, condemns himself and he ends up just confessing to it because he can't live with the consequences of what he's done to kind of transcend the moral law. He realized, oh, you can't really do that and get away with it because if nothing else, your own conscience will destroy you. Anyway, this just feels so much like that. Like he read all these things about criminology and serial killers and mastermind criminals and said, "Huh, I wonder if I can do that. But hopefully um, they have caught the actual killer and this guy goes away for a very long time. I'm wondering, Idaho being a very conservative state, they're extraditing him back from Pennsylvania, I think, where he was originally and where they caught him. But uh, I would think that they have the death penalty there. So I'm sure he is going to be up for that honor. So uh, good job, cops. Glad they caught him. Now, as usual, I have the John Tense section, and this is various places I've written or been interviewed, et cetera, et cetera. One, there will be a link in the show notes for this. I did the best music of 2022 with Stephen Miller, the former co-host of this fine podcast. Calvin just admitted a random barf. Somebody must have walked by outside, and he was very cross about this. So please excuse his interruption. But we go through kind of the best of 2022 lists, and that is on Colin. I'll include a link in the show notes. Also, I wrote a piece for the local paper. I write for them weekly, and I couldn't think of anything to write about. So I was just like, what are some good pet peeves? I know when someone was starting to write, I think it was George Will. When he was first hired as a columnist, he um, found out that he had to write twice a week, three times a week, something like that. And he was freaked out about it because apparently they viewed him as a very promising writer. But he's like, yeah, I write like one thing a month that I really care about. And William F. Buckley said, do at least three things annoy you every week? He's like, oh, of course. He goes, there's three columns right there. So that's what I did. I took uh, the old Buckley advice advice. And I just started going through things that annoy me. And one is uh, politicians constantly claiming to be on the right side of history. A certain issue, you got to vote for this because that way you'll be on the right side of history. And I just went through the entire thing about how there are no sides to history. History doesn't have sides. It gets better. It gets worse. Usually at the same time, one region will be getting having more progress and technological development and another region down the down the way a bit will be collapsing in and itself. And then you'll have complete world system collapse, like the Bronze Bronze Age collapse. Um, Most of, of course, the Western world collapsed during the Dark Ages, the fall of the Roman Empire. But at the same time, other areas did great. They reached peak prosperity. But this whole attitude of uh, history constantly moving towards progress and human rights is balderdash. It was invented by Georg Hegel. I think it's Georg. He seems like he'd be uptight enough to pronounce it that way. But basically, he wanted to replace, and this was kind of the Darwinian era too, he kind of wanted to replace religion or God with history itself. And history is constantly moving us towards progress. And very, very soon, since we've learned all these lessons over time, we will have reached the end of history and nirvana will result. We'll live in a paradise, basically. Everybody, we will have learned all the lessons there are to learn Um, Not understanding that, yeah, we go a few steps forward and then several steps back. And that's the way humanity has been forever. So there are no sides to history. So there isn't a right side to history. Instead, just say you're right or you're wrong. That's a lot easier because history has nothing to do with it. And that was complaints. Uh, The commenters at uh, the paper I write for the Arizona Republic, they loathe me with the intensity of 10,000 burning suns. And they were all complaining, oh, what? Getting rid of slavery. That was on the right side of history. And I'm thinking, no. No, it was right to get rid of slavery. Uh, we have more slavery today than we did during the American Civil War. So history has nothing to do with it. History has gotten far worse on that issue than better. So, yeah, I don't really know why they're bringing history into it. Just try to be right or boldly be wrong. But uh, get history, keep history out of it because history is amoral. It doesn't have a good side or a bad side. Or as Obama said, the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice. Um, I guess that would be true if you're speaking in divine terms, but uh, humanity constantly has ups and downs, folks. There's not a right side and a wrong side in history. Um, in fact, it'll probably you know, entropy will kick in and things will get worse and worse. So, there. On that cheery note, let's go to the song of the week. After clearing my music pick with my youngest daughter. Uh, She approved of it, so she's sitting uh, not too far from me. She made me clear it with her first. Uh, I'm choosing Her Revolution, and it's by Tom York, lead singer for Radiohead, joined by Fortet, an IDM electronic artist, and Burial, another electronic artist. Here is a clip. This combination. I know that Fortet and Burial have worked together before, um, but I hope Tom York works a lot more closely with them because they really work well together. Fortet does very kind of intri- intricate programming, very interesting sounds. He includes a lot of jazz elements in his work, but it's like very complex and very detailed. Burial, another electronic artist, does this gritty, grimy. R&B inflected kind of stuff. So all the stuff is kind of this muddy, gritty kind of element to it. So you have this pristine, clear guy mixed by this kind of grubby, gritty guy. And then Tom York's voice above it all, which is awesome. Nobody sounds like him. Um, it comes from like a split single, if that's the right way to put it. Um, There's two songs on it. And uh, this one is the less depressing. Tom York, he has some issues in that department. Um, But uh, yeah, the other side is called His Rope. And this uh, song is called Her Revolution. So just a great song. I've listened to too many times in the past month. So that is it for the podcast. Thanks for listening. Check out the show notes for links to the John Tent of the week. And I will talk to you next week.